Kiddushin Dath Dalit. We are starting from five, six lines down, where the Gemara says, What happened was that yesterday we were talking about the source that a woman can become Miskadeshes through Kinyin Kasef, and we derived it from the fact that the Pasuk says, By an and when she turns 12, she goes out for free without any money. And we make an inference that this girl who's leaving her master, does, there's no money that goes to her master. But in a different scenario where a girl leaves her master, there is money that goes to her master. And that other scenario is when a girl is leaving her father's domain, his, his jurisdiction, because he is marrying her off. In that case, there is money which would go to him to affect the Kedushin. So the Gemara has a question, are the words extra to darshan it for this point? But we need the words for what it teaches in a Braisa. The Tanya says in a Braisa, this, that she goes out free, it's telling us that when she becomes a Bogaris, remember a girl is a Katana, when she becomes 12 and first enters um, the stages of puberty, then she is a Nara for six months, and then she's a full adult, a Bogaris at 12 and a half, when the puberty is uh, completed. So it's six months that of of uh, a Nara stage until she is a Bulgarian. So with this, that deposit says she goes out for free. It means that if she becomes a Bulgarian and she becomes free, in Kasef, this that it says for no money. We darshan Naras. It says that she goes out free even when she becomes a Nara. So basically, the point that we're making is that had it just been for the words in the pasuk. They said, you would have said that maybe the maidservant only goes free when she becomes completely mature, when she becomes a Bulgarist. The words Ain Kasev are necessary to teach us that she actually becomes uh, free already from Naras. So how are you saying that Ain Kasev is extra and therefore it comes to her the inference that there is money for a different master? Really, the words are not extra. The words are coming to tell us that already the Amah Ivriya goes free when she becomes 12 and, 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 and she does not have to wait until 12 and a half. Amar Avina, Avina answers, in Cain, if that's all the Pasuk was coming to tell us, in Kasef, the Torah could have said, in Kasef, no money, and it could have spelled the word in without a yud. My in Kasef, what is the point of saying it with a yud? It's meant for this inference. In Kasef, there is no money to this master. There is, in fact, money given to a different master. Who is this other master? Av, it's a reference to the father. So therefore, we have a right to learn out both points. The in Kasef, the words itself, are coming to tell us that the Nara leaves already when she's 12, but the fact that it's written with a Yud conveys the point that Kedushin is with Kenyan Kasef. Says the Gemara, what is the precedent, precedent that you could expound the Pasuk in this way? I mean, the whole thing is from, you know, a Yud, it's, it's pretty interesting that you can make such a big drasha based upon one letter. So the Gemara says we could. The Tanya says in a bride. So here we're talking about a Kohen's daughter. And the halacha is that, that if she was married to a non-Kohen, she can no longer eat trima. If she's widowed or divorced from the marriage, so then she can go back to her father's house and return to eating trima. However, that's only vizera in love. She has no children. She doesn't have any children which remain from the relationship with the non-Kohen. That's only when she can go back to her father's house. If there are children then, then from the relationship with the non-Kohen, that prevents her from going back and eating trima. So it says she has no children. Ainly Lazar, I would say it's only her own children. Zara's army nine. How do I know if it's grandchildren? Let's say she had children who passed away. And at this point, remaining from her relationship with the non-Kohen are only grandchildren. How do I know that even grandchildren prevent her from eating trima from going back and returning to her father's house? So it spells Ain with a Yud. And by including Yud, the Pasuk is telling Ain law, you should examine her. You have to look into whether she has grandchildren before you mutter to eat trima. So we see from the Yud that we're darshaning uh, but even the grandchildren. The Bryce continues, I would only notice if there's kosher children um, offspring that stop her from eating trima. How do I know even if it's 
um, uh, apostle children. So let's say it's like a momter or something like that. But Lamaisa, it's a, it is children that she has or grandchildren that she has from the non-Kohen. How do I know that even apostle children prevent Zara So it spells it with a Yud. Means examine her even if it's an illicit children will stop her. So the Kamar is bothered. We just made two drushes in the same letter. You said that the Yud of the Ain was used to, to infer the laws of grandchildren. And now you're telling me that the Yud is coming to say even puzzle children. Which one is it? So the Kamar answers, you don't need a pasuk to teach us about the grandchildren, that the grandchildren stop her from eating truma. There's an established principle that grandchildren are are considered like children. This is a halacha, the Gemara Nivamas darshan's that from a different point. So therefore, it's intuitive uh, for us in the, regarding the laws of truma that if she has grandchildren from the non coin, she can't return to eat truma. Kiyas across. So then, when would you need the pasuk with the extra yod? Lazara apostle. It's only coming to teach us for the apostle children. So now that we have precedent that the Tana will darshan an extra yod, so the Gemara now switches the question. But Tana minali de Where does the Tana himself know that you could expound from a yod? So obviously, the Tana did it, and we applied it over there by the by the coin, and we're applying it back over here uh, to teach us Kesef Kedushin. But the Gemara is saying, how does the Tana know that there's such a legitimate drasha? So the Gemara says, Amri, we answer Kesef Mein Bilam Mein Yavami. Here are times where the Torah spells Mein without a yod. Lok yod, yod. But here. In the Zara Ain law, there is a Yod. We find times in the Torah where Me'in is written without Yod. And here, it's saying it with the Yod. Clearly, the Torah is indicating that we are meant to expound the new halacha. And that's how the Tana knew that he was correct in, the, in, the, in his approach. Now the Gemara uh, goes back to talking about the father's rights over his Nara. So we came out that there's a, there, there, there is a t- Pasuk which shows that he's entitled to the Kesef Kedushin of his Nara. And there was a, a Pasuk that we learned about yesterday which taught us that he also has the rights to any labor that she has. So if she has a job and she makes money, the father's entitled to it. So we have two different psukim, which are very similar. They're both telling us that profits which are generated through the girl go to the father. One is talking about the Kesekidushi and one is talking about her job. But why do we need two psukim, which are seem to be telling me the same concept? So the Gemara is necessary for the Torah to say that the money of the Kedushin goes to the father and also necessary to say that her labor goes to her father. Because Rachman al had it only written the Kedushin Havamina There it goes to the father because she didn't work to get that money. The father married her off. She didn't work. So that's why she's not entitled. Regarding the, the products here from her labor where she, she toiled for it, I would say that maybe it should remain hers. If she worked, then it should remain hers. Yes, we And if we would only talk about the products of her labor belonging to the father, then I would say to come mine. There, the pshat is that he, he he is supporting her, and therefore it makes sense that he is uh, rewarded uh, with the reciprocation of the point that her labor goes to him. which comes from elsewhere. In other words, it's just like out of out of the blue that there's money of kedushin. It's not it's not anything that she's making. It's just coming out of left field, someone's Mikadosh or Eimah and maybe I would say it is kept, it stays for her. So therefore both Sokim are necessary. So we're saying basically the idea is for regular income, the father should retain it because of the expenses of sustaining her. It makes sense. But the Kedushin is just an anomalous income. It's not like a steady thing. And therefore Mehecha tasted that the father should get this new random income coming to her, the Kesu Kedushin. And therefore both Sokim were necessary to teach that in fact the father gets the products of her labor and he gets the Kesu Kedushin. Says the Mark Gufa, we go back to the price of Yatsachinam Elu Yime Bagros, Inkasef Elime Naros. We learn that from the Yatsachinam and Inkasef, that first of all, if she becomes a Bogara, she goes free. And second of all, if she becomes a Nara, she goes free. So the Gemara has an obvious question. 
every Lachaira, what happens is a girl first becomes a Nara and then she becomes a Bulgaris. So if she is already going free of when she's a Nara, if you lift off Rachman and Naras, for the Baibagas, let the Torah only write in Kasif, which she says, us. And she goes free when she's a Nara. And then it won't be necessary to teach us the law of Bulgaris. If she goes free when she becomes a Nara, then obviously she's not going to be in service as a slave at the time that she's a full adult. So why do I need both sukkim? Just say the Nara point. What happens is, is that this one comes and explains the meaning of the other one. Meaning if I just had one, I wouldn't know whether it meant Naras or Bulgaris. The only way I know that Ein Kasef means Naras is because I already had Yatsachinam that must have been referenced to at least Bulgaris. So therefore it was necessary for the Torah to write both. The Torah had to write both in order to get out the point that even when she's in Naras, she goes free. Because if I only had one, I would say whatever phrase the Torah would have written, maybe it's only referring to Bulgaris. So the fact that there are both, that brings me then to the conclusion that it's not only when she's in Bulgaris that she goes free, but even when she's in Naras. And we give a precedent to that in the Torah, where the Torah will write a phrase, I won't know what it means, but if it writes two phrases next to one another, then I figure it out. This is just like two types of Everett Ivri that are owned by a Kohen. So just to clarify, a Kohen slave has the rights to each Ramah, but that's only an Evid Kanani that he owns. But an Evid Ivri, where it's not really ownership, it's just that he you can, you own him in the sense that he works for you, but you don't own him like an animal. So there the Torah says that he cannot eat Ramah. The Torah says that the Tosha Vesachir, the Hebrew slaves, the two types of Hebrew slaves, we'll see the difference between them in a second, the Avakohen do not eat Shema. So the Tanya says in a price, Tosha Olam. Tosha means that even if it's a Nirza, an Evid Ivri who's at work for six years, and then he makes a decision that he wants to stay in his master's home, so he's conning forever until the Yovel. So even if he's a permanent type, he's the Nirza, it's still saying he doesn't eat the Trima. Sachir, the word Sachir, that refers to a Kenyan that's only for years, meaning only within the first six years, and he's expected to go free at the end of that. So the Torah is telling us that the Toshav doesn't eat the Truma and the Sacher doesn't eat the Truma. So the obvious question is, Yomar Toshav, Lo Yomar Sacher. Let it just say Toshav, the permanent one, doesn't eat. And then obviously the, 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 the non-permanent one will not eat. Vani Yomar, I would figure out myself. Even when he's an everlasting thing, he's there forever. He can't eat. So then if he's just purchased for a number of years, only until... Only until the Shemitah comes, the Kosher came, and all the more certain that he cannot eat the Truma. So the Gemara says, Elokin had only said Toshav, that's the point. I wouldn't have known what Toshav is. If it only would have said Toshav, I would have said the Toshav is referring to the servant who's only coming for a number of years. But for a servant who's acquired forever, maybe he could eat Truma because it's more permanent. So the Torah had to write both phrases to show us, the word Sacher comes and now clarifies the meaning of Toshav. Even though it's kind of, it's kind of forever. It's an everlasting Kenyan until the Ovo, Eino Ocho, still he cannot. So there it's an example of Tosha Vesachar. The Torah wrote both words. Obviously, if I know that even the Neretza doesn't eat, then I know that the temporary one doesn't eat. But that's exactly the point. The Torah had to write both words because I wouldn't have known which word refers to which type. Is that a good comparison to what we're saying here? There are two separate entities, meaning a servant who's in Neretza and one who's not in Neretza. They're two separate people. And you could have one who's in the house of the coin and the other one who's in the house of the coin at the same time. Therefore, even if the Torah would have explicitly written that the Tosha of Nirza shouldn't eat, even if it would say explicitly, the Nirza of Hadar Kasav Yidach, and then it would have written the other type, the non Nirza, even though it would have been an obvious point, you could have made a Kava Homer. If I know the Nirza doesn't eat, then even the non Nirza certainly does it. But I would say, All that means is the Torah wrote something which I would have known anyways from Kava Homer. That's not such a big problem. We have a principle that if, even if something could have been derived from a Kava Homer, the Torah may go out of its way to say it outright. So there, it's actually 
not so bothersome. Forget about the fact that we don't know what Tasha Vesacha meant. Even if the Torah would have written explicitly, a Nirza doesn't eat, and even a Nirza doesn't eat, it wouldn't have really bothered us. We would have understood that even though it could have been derived from Kabbalah the Torah may have preferred to write it explicitly. Elahacha, regarding the maidservant, Chai Gufahi, she's just one entity. She is the same person. The Toshav, uh, she is the one person, a girl who first becomes a Nara, and then a Bogaretz. It's one person, so once she already becomes free when she's a Nara, there's no way that she ever will become free when she's an adult. So the point that we're saying is there will never be a maidservant whoever will be freed when she becomes a Bogaretz, because every maidservant will already be free when she's a Nara. So therefore, it's an irrelevant halacha. It's not that it's known to us, just that it wasn't necessary to teach us. That we could live with. What's bothering us is it's a deeper point. It's never happening. There will never be a maidservant who will become free when she becomes a Bogaris because every single maidservant will become free already when she's a Nara six months earlier and then it will never be practical for the Bogaris to, to go free. So that what bothers us so much about why do I need both Sokim of of Yatsachinam and in Kasef to teach me both Naras and Bogaris just tell me Nara and then Bogaris will never be relevant. So the Gemara says, Ela, Amar Abai, rather Abai has to answer that there is actually a case of a girl who become free as a Bulgaris, even though she wasn't free as a Nara. What is the case? A case of an islandist. An islandist is a girl who will not undergo uh, the regular puberty. So she's not going to have that Nara stage. What happens is, is that when she reaches the, the age of 20, then she becomes an adult. That's the halacha that Gemara Yavamas tells us. A girl doesn't undergo puberty just when she turns 20 and she has the signs of an islandess, she just automatically becomes an adult. So there, she never actually has a stage of Nara. So the Torah has to emphasize that when she becomes a Bulgaris, when she becomes 20, she will go free. So without that, I may have thought to say the Nara is table. Only when a girl becomes a Nara does it free her. But Bagras low table. But when she becomes a Bulgaris, there's no freedom. Bagras isn't doesn't isn't motil girl maybe only naras is come out from therefore the torah has to tell us that no it's relevant to the islandist who never becomes a nara but she just becomes a bulgaris it's relevant for the possibly to tell us that she'll go free out becoming a bulgaris however the gemara is bothered that the island is, you're saying there was a chiddish that the Torah had to write in cost to teach me that the island is goes free when she becomes an adult. It's a kavachomer that she should. If the signs of naras, which don't take a girl out of her father's jurisdiction, we find that, that a nara is still in her father's jurisdiction, her maisia deha and her kedushin go to the father. So naras doesn't take her out of the father's jurisdiction. Nonetheless, it takes the maidservant out of her master's jurisdiction. So certainly the bagras, which does Take a girl out of her father's jurisdiction. Rashi says we know that because we never find the Torah giving. It's an interesting way of knowing something. Rashi says, Loash Kachna, we never find anything beyond Naras. The Torah sometimes says a Nara. That, that, that the penalties and the fines go to the father. But when we never find anything like that by a Bagra. So we know for sure that Bagras is out of her father's jurisdiction. So all the more so that a maidservant who becomes a Bogar should be taken out of the master's jurisdiction. So basically what we're asking is, if your whole Chiddush is that for the islanders when she becomes a Bulgaris that she'll go free. You don't need the Pasuk to tell me that. Kavachomer could tell me that because if Naras, which doesn't take out of the father, takes her out of uh, being a slave, certainly Bagras, which takes her out of the father, will certainly take her out of being a slave. So therefore, we change it a little bit. About Bagras being Motir is necessary to teach me that she could be sold from the outset. Meicha tasted that I could sell a girl and the Chiddush is that. I mean, I may have thought to say that Asi Simani Naros Only a girl who will have signs of Naros 
can be sold as a valid salve. But if, uh, if the signs of Naras will not come, like the case of Islandus, so maybe Bechlau, her sale as a minor is never a valid sale. Maybe the Torah only allows a girl to be sold in slavery if she will go out when she is 12. But a girl who, like an Islandus, who will be staying much longer until she is 20, the Torah allows her to be sold. And that's the Chiddush. I mean, we think about it, it's a great point. She's going to be remaining as a slave in a much longer amount of time if she will be a Bogaris, then she'll be a regular girl. A regular girl will turn into a Nara with puberty and go free. But a girl like an islandist won't go free until she's 20. She could be sold. So that's the Chiddush of the Pasa. is telling us that we're going to include, we're going to include the islandist, even though she's never going to become a Nara, but her original sale is valid. So you're right. The Chiddush isn't that she goes free if she would be sold. The Chiddush is that who said Hagufa that she could ever be sold. So now we understand the Chiddush, then why we needed the words that she should go out for free. So now the Gemara goes back to the question that we asked on Abai, right? Abai was saying that the Chiddush was that, um, that Bagras will be mostly an islandist, but the question that we asked on him was that, I would know that because if Simon are not mostly from the father, none, nonetheless, they're mostly from the, from the, from the, from the, from the master. So certainly Bagras that's mostly from the father should be mostly from the masters. Like Mar says, Mar Bavashi, according to Mar Bavashi, who said, you don't need that because it's a Kava Chomer. What, why was that ever a good question to begin with? Huh? I mean, what did we say on Lamed Aleph? Most of the Aspekal Remember, we say that the Torah could teach me something that could be derived intuitively through a Kava Chomer. So what was the whole question to begin with? That, oh, it can't be. That's what the Pasuk is telling me. That I'll Bagras, she'll go free, referring to the islandists, because I would have figured that out intuitively. Let it be that I'd figure out intuitively, but even something that can be derived through a Kabbalah Homer, the Torah still may go out of its way to inform us. So the Gemara defends, you're right. If we are forced into a corner and we don't, can't understand the Pasuk in any other way, we'll, for, we'll be forced and compelled to say that something derived through Kabbalah Homer, the Torah might still write. But something where it's possible to answer it differently, we always prefer to answer it differently. So in our case, we definitely prefer to give a different answer. And, that, and we prefer to answer that the Chiddush about Bagras being mozi for the islandess is not that it frees her, but rather that her original sale is effective. Okay. Now... We go back to Kedushin a little bit. We said from the Pasuk, we came out that it's really from the Yud, that a woman is betrothed with money. So now the Gemara says there's a, diff- a different Tana who has another source about how we know that Kenyan Kesef for Isha. Tanya Maitzalim Halcha, a different Tana brings that a woman is married through Kesef from here to Tanya. It says in the writes, a man takes a woman who has relations with her, and then it will be, if she doesn't find favor in his eyes, because he found an Arabas Dabar. So this is the Iker Pasuk of Kedushin, Parshat Kiseitse. So it says, whenever it says Kicha, it refers to taking through money. So it says in the Sati Kesef Asada, Kach Mimani. This is the Pasuk when Avraham is um, is buying the field. So we see that Kedushin, which is referred to as an act of taking, is also done through giving money, just like the field, which was an, referred to as an act of taking, was done, accomplished with money. So this is the, the another source for Kenyan Kesef. It says Kicha, and we know Kicha is referring to an act of taking through giving money. Now the Brisa proceeds. Why do I need the Pasuk to tell me this, uh, that, that that money can execute Kedushin? It's a Kabbalah Chaimer, that money can make Kedushin. A Hebrew maidservant. You're selling a, a young girl in slavery. She can't be, be nicknamed Kesef. Nonetheless, we know she's acquired with money. Meaning to say there's no such concept of, of having Bia with a girl and acquiring her as a servant. But there is halacha that you give the father money. And that's implied, Rashi says from the Pasuk, Mi Kesef Miknaso. The idea is that one of the ways that a girl goes free is that he gives 
uh, it, it was called Kirayim Kasef, where you give um, you give to the master part of the money of the sale. <clears throat> you return it to the, to him. How much was left? So basically, we see that it was originally bought through money, Mikasef Mikdaso. So we know that an Amaivriya is purchased through Kasef. So if Amaivriya, which is not Nikdis Bibiya, nonetheless can be acquired with money, so Zu, a regular wife, Shaniknis Bibiya could be who could be acquired through Bia. And we know that because the Pasuk says, Uba Allah, for a man takes a wife, Uba Allah, he has relations with her. So we learn from there that she Kedushin is affected through Bia. So if we know a wife can be affected with Bia, you know, Dinshin Mikasef, certainly Kasef should be good. So again we have a Kabachimer. Amaivriya is not Nikdis Bibiya, but it's Nikdis Bakasef. So a regular wife which can be Nikdis Certainly, should be nikna bekasef. Says the Gemara, Yevama tochiach to refute that kavachomer. We look at Yevama. You should nikna bebiya. Yevama can be fully acquired through Yevam with bia. Ain't nikna bekasef. But money is not effective for Yevam. Yevam can only dam bebiya. So maybe so too here. A wife can only be nikna bebiya, not money. That's why it's not a good kavachomer. Says the Gemara. That's not a good refutation because mal Yevama should be nikna bechdar. A Yevama, there's no such thing as using a document. You can't give a document. Yevam cannot give a document. That says you're married to me to Yivam and affect Yivam. Tamar Mizushin, this is But what about a regular single woman who could be called Nikdis Bishtar? We're going to learn the source for that coming up, but the Gemara assumes that that's true. So it's not comparable. So the original Kavachomer still stands. And we should know already that uh, Kedushin through money is good. So you don't need, really need a Pasuk. So the Gemara says, well, Tamalomer Kikachish. Doesn't bother us. The Pasuk says a man takes a woman, Kedushin is done with money. So the Gemara obviously jumps all over that. That was the whole point that we don't need the Pasuk to say that it's Bekasev because I know it logically. That I know, again, the Kabachomer from Avra and Omaha Ivriya is not Nikdis is not Nikdis and is nonetheless is Nikdis Bekasev. So then a regular single woman for as a wife who's Nikdis Bekasev, certainly she's Nikdis Bekasev. So the Gemara says, Amravashim, Mishim, the Ikola Mimar, Mikar, Dina Percha. The original logic is flawed. Why? Where are you learning that money should work from Kedushin? You're trying to derive it from Gavachomer from the Amirvia. Amirvia is different. There she goes out from the servitude through money. There's an idea that she can gain her freedom by compensating her master for the remaining years of her term. So the fact that she goes free with money could explain how she's acquired through money. There's like a reciprocate, a reciprocation. You're acquired with money and then you can pay the remaining money on the balance to the master. And let her let, and she can go free. Tomar Bazu, but if a wife is not like that, she needs to be kasef. There's no idea you can go out of marriage with money. So you can. We're trying to derive this. She will be nicknamed kasef, but it's only going to affect the kinyan. She won't be able to get out of it with money. So you can't really compare it in any way to Amirvia. So therefore, we need the pasuk Tavalomar kiyikach ish. We need the words kiyikach ish, which again we link to Avram Avinu in the field with Sade Ephraim to know that it means money. Okay, now, in the, out of the whole discussion that we had, it comes out that there's two separate psukim that a woman can be nicknamed Spekasef. We have Yasukhinim in Kosef, and we also have Kiikach. So the Gemara says, Why do I need both? I need both. I would say that the money of the Kedushin that the Nara gets from her husband is hers. So if it just says, I would know it's Kasef Kedushin, but I would say if the Nara does it, she should keep it. That's why that to teach us that, if, that the money will go to the father if it's a Nara, as we discussed yesterday. Because Rahman of Yatsachinam of the Torah only said the Vyatsachinam have a mean hechid kidashto. Let's say the woman would give money to the man and betroth him. In other words, we know that Kasif could affect it, but which way does it work? How do I know that it has to be that a man gives the the, the 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 money to the woman? Maybe the opposite also works. If the woman gives money to the man and betroths him, have a kedushin, I would say it's valid. Maybe it can work either way. The woman gives the money to the man and, and she says, I, w- I want to be married to you. Maybe that can work. That's what we need. The pots of kiyikach, that it's done specifically by the man taking the woman. He has to be the one to affect it and not her. 
Okay, now the Gemara goes to the source that Kedushin can be nicknames, can be happen through Bia. The Apostle says a man takes a woman, Ube Allah, and he has relations. Malamish nicknames with Bia tells us that Bia can affect it. Now the Gemara wants to know, why do I need the Apostle to teach me that a woman is nicknames with Bia? Although Dino is a Kavachomer. My Yvamish nicknames with Kasif, nicknames with Bia, Yvama cannot become married through money. But Yvam cannot be affected through money, but it could be affected through uh, Bia. The Apostle says, Yvam Yavo So Zush nicknames with Kasif, a regular single girl who's becoming a wife who could be nicknames with money, we already derived Kiikach and 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 Ain Kasef. And then she nicknames with Bia. Certainly Bia should help. So why do I need the possibility to tell me Bia works? Says the Gemara Amar Irvia because the case of the Amar Irvia could refute that logic. She nicknames with Kasef. She is nicknames with money. Being nicknames with Bia. She's not nicknames with Bia. So there are scenarios someone who's nicknames with money and not Bia. So maybe I would say a regular wife could be like that. Says the Gemara, but that's not a good refutation. There, it's not a nature of marriage. So maybe that reason it's not nicknames with Bia is because it's not an intimate sort of relationship. That's why Bia doesn't work. Here in the case of a woman becoming a wife, here it is meant to be an intimate relationship. So maybe maybe the Kaaba Homer still stands and Bia should be appropriate. So you can't refute the Kaaba Homer uh, by bringing Amar Ivriya. Amar Ivriya makes sense that Bia is inappropriate because it's not capturing the essence of the relationship. Then the bride puzzlingly says, no, we use the Pasuk of Baala to tell us that Bia makes Kenyan. Says the Gemara, that's the whole problem, that I don't need the Pasuk because I have the Kavah that Bia should work. So why is the Gemara ending off that it's good that I have the Pasuk of Baala? I could say that the original logic was flawed. What was the original proof that we were ever bringing that Kedushin effects is affected with Bia Miyavama? From Yavama, because what was the whole point? Yavama is not nicknames because if it is nicknames Babia, so a regular woman who's nicknames Bekasif certainly, certainly should be nicknames Babia. But the problem is, it's different. There, she's already bound to the Yavam before she marries him. There's a Zika. She's for, even before any Yavam or Chalitza is done, the whole idea is that Yavama is also to marry anybody else. She's already bound. So she's already bound. There, it makes sense that, that, that Bia can complete a bind which already exists. Tomer Bazushi and Zukukov Medis, but in regard to a regular single girl who has nothing yet to her husband, she's not in a bind to him. Maybe they've been dating, but she's not in any sense of actual isser to anyone else because of him. So maybe Bia cannot complete. They cannot start a relationship. Maybe the whole role of Bia is only to complete a relationship which already exists. Now we understand why we need the Pasuk of Baala to tell us that it's Xeris HaKasav, that in fact, a girl, single woman, can become betrothed to her husband with the Kenyan of Bia as well.